0: You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Second Baptist Church in Houston, Texas. If you'd like to get more information about the church, please visit us at second.org. Just by way of hands, how many of you listen or watch podcast on a fairly regular basis your podcast watchers and stuff okay now only those who raise their hands can participate in this next activity and I want you to raise your hand if you have the correct answer or an answer who do you think by ways of number of viewers has the most successful podcast in the world right now who do you think it is raise your hand I'll call on you does anybody want to take a guess yes sir Yes, sir. First guess. Now, he said, Joe Rogan. Sir, I want you to verify. Are you planted? Are you a plant? No, you're not. No, you're not. Somebody accused me on the way over here. Oh, you planted that person. No, not a plant. Just a very bright attender of 1111. So Joe, it's called the Joe Rogan experience. And if you've not seen that podcast, I'm not recommending that you go home today and watch it. Let me tell you why. It's a disclaimer, okay? He uses, a, he uses bad language, and not a little bit of bad language, a lot of bad language that would make any rapper blush. So that being said, if you don't know who Joe Rogan is, Joe Rogan is an MMA commentator. He's a comedian, an actor, and he started this podcast years ago that's exploded exploded. And again, I'm not recommending you go watch him or anything like that. But let me say this in defense of Joe Rogan. First of all, he'll have anybody on his show, right? Anyone. He doesn't care what they believe, their politics, their religion or, or irreligion. He will have them on his show. He will talk to them for a brief three hours. And he truly believes in free speech And he believes a man's a man and a woman's a woman, which is pretty radical these days for some people. So Joe was having a show recently and he had a buddy of his on named Adam Curry. And there should be a picture of Joe and Adam Curry on the screen there. Now Adam Curry, you you can't recognize him now, but back in the eighties, he was one of the original VJs on MTV when they actually showed music videos. And Adam Curry, is what some would call a conspiracy debunker. Like part of his career has been looking at research to debunk conspiracy theories like the JFK assassination, 9-11, and the moonwalk. So he likes to take those conspiracies and try to debunk them. So Rogan has his buddy Adam Curry on the show. I think this is the fourth time Adam has been on the show. And just to give you a little context, the last time Adam Curry was on the Joe Rogan experience, they were smoking a joint as big as the state of Montana, okay? So they're having a conversation here, and, and, and Adam says that. He goes, you know, Joe, you know, I've spent most of my career debunking conspiracy theories. He said, then I realized I have not tried to debunk the biggest conspiracy of all time, and that's a conspiracy of God. And so he said, I started to research. He said, I had some friends that I was working with and, and they were Christians and I asked them questions and they gave me these books and, and, and all this. And so I started to research. And then Adam Curry said this. He said, Joe, I want to tell you something because you're my friend. And I know you found this, may find this difficult coming to me from me, a skeptic. He goes, but I'm telling you Just as real as I am sitting here talking to you right now in this microphone, that God is real, Jesus existed, that he has radically changed my life, and that we can win with God. Yeah. And he goes, I know you think this is weird coming from me. I'm not some right-wing nut job. And Rogan says, no, no, no. I don't, I don't think you're weird. I don't think it's weird. And he says, Rogan goes, I, I want to ask you some questions. So Rogan asked Adam Curry three questions about his conversion, if you would. And that's what I want to talk about today. I, and I want to talk to you about how I would answer these three questions. Because I think a lot of us are questioned at some time in our life about our belief in God. At some time in your life, you will probably be challenged or questioned by a friend or a family member or a someone you go to school with about your belief in God. You say you believe in God, you believe in Jesus. That's great. Let me ask you some questions. And it's interesting, we have a responsibility if you are a, a follower of God in Christ. We have a responsibility to give answers to the questions that people have. Look at this verse, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. This should be underlined in your Bible. It says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an emotional response to everyone who, no, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason, the reason. The reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. So there are people around you, there are people here that are asking questions. How can you believe this? Or why do you believe what you believe? And we need to be able to give answers to their questions. Now, there are many methods for Answering questions that seekers have. There are many different methods. There's the philosophical method of Aquinas and Lewis. There's a scientific compatibility method of Ross and Rana. There's the presuppositional method of Van Til and Schaefer. There's the existential method of Kierkegaard and Pascal. There's the reformed epistemology method of, of Volderstorf and Plantiga. And there's the evidential method what we're gonna look at today of Montgomery and Pannenberg. Now, let me say this, don't panic, all right? We're gonna have a lot of information flowing today in our time together, and I'm gonna do what I normally don't do. I'm gonna put my notes up for this message on my website, which is benyoung.org. So you can go to benyoung.org. There'll be hopefully a video of this message And also some notes and other resources that will be helpful to you. And again, we're gonna look at today's message. You know, Thanksgiving's right around the corner. This is kind of more of a seminar than a sermon, if that's okay. You know, if you want me to preach a sermon and start yelling at you and dancing and screaming, I can do that, but I'm not gonna do that today. Sorry to disappoint some of you. So Meanwhile, back to the podcast, back to the Joe Rogan experience with Joe and his guest, Adam Curry. Adam rolls out this grenade in the middle of their conversation, right? Boom. And Rogan asks him some questions. And the first question he asks is this, who do you think Jesus Christ was? That's a great question, isn't it? And actually, Rogan, though he probably didn't know this, is pulling from Matthew chapter 16 when Jesus Christ asked his followers the same question. Remember, he asked them, who are people saying that I am? What, what, who do people think that my identity is what I'm all about? And then he goes, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, you are the son of God, the son of the living God. And that's what Adam Curry responded back to Joe Rogan. He said he is the son of God. And I think when you look at that first question, that's really kind of the options that that you're left with. And C.S. Lewis, who wrote a great book called Mere Christianity said, really, when it comes to the question of who Jesus Christ was or is, we have three responses really, or three options. It's called the trilemma. He was either a liar, he lied about who he was. He was either a lunatic, Lock him up crazy, deluded that he was the Son of God, or he was really Lord. So those are the options when it comes to the identity of Christ. And Adam responded to Job in kind with that answer. Then Rogan asks a second question and he goes kind of broad. He goes, Well, Adam, how do you know that Jesus Christ even existed? How do you know he existed? So there's a, 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 a thin slice of a, a certain flavor of skeptics that are on the internet now that are making the uh, grandiose claim that, well, Jesus Christ, he never really existed as a historical uh, person. And that's what, what Rogan was kind of hinting at. He's had other guests where he's kind of gone down the same line of thought. And here's how I would respond to that we have uh, ample, cogent evidence and data about the existence of Jesus Christ as a historical figure. Again, that doesn't prove that he's the Son of God, but there are a lot of extra-biblical or non-biblical sources that talk about Jesus Christ. Here are just a few. Thallus, Tacitus, Pliny, Suetonius, Celsus. Also, Josephus, as well as references in the Talmud. And when you look at these non-biblical historical sources that are both Roman and Jewish and Orient, not Christian, here's what we can learn about the person of Christ and about his biography. We can learn his name. We can learn the time and place of his public ministry. We can learn his mother's name, his ambiguous birth, the name of his brother James, his fame as a teacher, as a miracle worker, as his title, Messiah or Christ, his kingly status, the time and manner of his execution, uh, the leaders involved in his trial, the eclipse occurring at the time of his execution, and reports of appearances after death, and the flourishing of a movement that had Christ at the very center. So all this data information can be gleaned from these non-biblical sources talking about the historical reality of a Jewish man and leader by the name of Jesus Christ. Also, you can look at biblical sources. And the reason you want to look at biblical sources is that even liberal or materialistic atheist scholars who were scholars of the first century use New Testament data in their research. And when you look at the New Testament, the historical reliability or veracity of the manuscripts are quite astonishing when you compare them to other books of antiquity, say Plato's Republic or the Iliad by Homer. Uh, John A.T. Robertson, who is a liberal scholar, said this. He said, the wealth of manuscripts and, above all, the narrow time between the writing and the earliest extant copies make the New Testament by far the best attested text of any ancient writing in the world. So when you're looking for evidence, in this case, of the existence of Christ, you can look at the non-biblical sources, but you also can look at the New Testament and biblical sources as well and then the third line there that i would say is you have to deal with the big bang and when i talk about the big bang i'm not talking about cosmology how we got here i'm talking about the big bang that started the revolution that changed the entire world and the big bang was the resurrection of jesus christ so everything the entire christian movement is based upon was based upon is based upon the physical, literal resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you are in marketing, the unique selling point, the USP of the Christian religion is that its founder died and rose again on the third day. The resurrection is not something that was bolted on or added on 300 years later. It's always been at the very center of the Christian witness. The resurrection is the catalyst It is the power that got the Christian movement going. Without the resurrection, there is no Christianity. There is no New Testament. There is no Western civilization. There is no United States, no Europe, nothing as we know it. Without the resurrection of Christ, everything rides on the resurrection. And so that's why over the years, over the years, many people who have been skeptics, agnostics or atheists like say Josh McDowell or um, Frank Morris when they said if I can just disprove the resurrection then I've got them and many times it's led people down a track of investigation like Adam Curry instead of being a skeptic a conspiracy debunker they become a believer in God and Christ. So uh, Dr. Fritz Schaefer is a a renowned scientist. He is the director of computational chemistry at Georgia, Stanford, MIT educated. And he was asked recently on another podcast, uh, Dr. Schaefer, given your credentials, who you are, how can you believe in something as amazing as the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ? And here's what Dr. Schaefer said. He said, well, the historical evidence is really strong. And the only alternative would be, to think that Jesus Christ's closest friends invented a conspiracy that got them fed to the lions. And that probability seems small to me. So the idea that some people have and kind of what Joe Rogan was hinting to here, that Christ never existed, that there's simply a Jesus mythology that people made up simply doesn't hold weight in reality. You can look at the non-biblical sources, the biblical sources, and of course, you can investigate the uh, Big Bang, which is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Even atheist scholar Bart Erdman, who's a New Testament scholar, Princeton theological educated, pleads with his fellow skeptics not to make such a Uh, foolish, asinine claim to say that Christ never existed. Uh, Christianity is not a fairy tale that was made up of fables. It's based upon factual events that happened in time, space, history. Uh, Christ is not some myth, some ghost. He made, you know, footprints in the sands and fingerprints, and his evidence uh, is not just throughout the world, but also throughout history, biblical and non-biblical. All right, third question. Moving right along, okay. Joe asks his friend, Adam Curry, Well, isn't belief in Jesus a type of psychological software you can run to make you happy? Which I've seen Rogan interview other people who talk about their Christian faith, and he'll always kind of go to this therapeutic angle, if you would. Are you in it because of the psychological goodies that Christianity can give to you? You know, and and I would say this, if someone... Pose that question to me, I would say yes and no, okay? Yes, I do believe that there are real emotional, if you would, psychological benefits of believing in God and following Christ. There's peace there, there's comfort there. At the same time, belief in Christ and Christianity is is much bigger and greater and grander than that. It's a comprehensive worldview that affects every single aspect of our life. And what, to me, Rogan's hinting at with Adam Curry is that, you know, he's talking about the experiential value of the Christian faith. And I think there is experiential, what I would call experiential evidence. And and there's different types of experiential evidence. There would be what I would call expert testimonies. You have somebody like Paul who wrote most of the New Testament. Paul was hired originally as someone to wipe out people who believed in the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ. Paul was a guy who had other Christians like you and me executed and killed. He had their families thrown in jail. Then he this brilliant scholar, passionate, committed leader to wiping out Christians, had a personal experience with the resurrected Christ that totally changed his life and world. He went from being a persecutor to being a passionate proclaimer of Christ, willing to suffer massive pain, massive hardship, massive persecution because of his experience he had with Jesus Christ. Now, here's a note about Paul. I talk about this a lot. He always continued his job in the secular world in the marketplace. He was a tent maker, and on the side, he wrote the most influential book in the world, the New Testament. No pressure to y'all. No pressure. Okay? So you got to deal with an expert testimony like Paul. Then you Fast forward to what, 40 years, you have Justin Martyr, who grew up in pagan home and, and was a Platonist, his conversion, and then he eventually was martyred for the faith. Then you have Origen, who's another scholar in the second and third century. You have uh, Augustine, his incredible conversion experience and his influence uh, over uh, the Roman world and really all of Western civilization. Then you have Thomas Aquinas, as he took the writings of Aristotle and synthesized them with scripture. You have Martin Luther, you have John Calvin. Uh, you have Dietrich Bonhoeffer in the 20th century. All of these men that had incredible conversion experiences that affected their entire worldview. And they had a massive influence on who we are and what we believe today. Then I would go on to talk about what most of us here are familiar with. What I would call an everyday needs kind of story. You know the story when Jesus Christ healed that person who had been blind from birth? I mean, he, he healed him. This guy was blind. All of a sudden, Christ healed him. He could see. Well, they started confronting this guy. They go, hey, who is this Jesus guy? Back to the original question. Who is he? What did he do? Is he a devil? Is he a demon? And the guy who was healed said, I don't know who he is. All I know is I once was blind, and now I see. So a lot of us could stand up here today in this seminar, not sermon, and say, you know what? I never had experienced unconditional love before until I asked Christ to come into my life. Or you could say, I never had a peace in my life before, a peace that I cannot describe or explain or measure in a laboratory until I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Or maybe you've gone through a difficult trial. You've gone through a trial in your life and you said, there's no way I ever could have made it through this trial without my trust in Christ. So that's an everyday needs testimony and no one can really argue with that experience. Also another type of experiential evidence I will talk about is what I would call overcoming testimonies. In other words, people who have dealt and come out of the world of addiction. Um, One of my favorite public intellectuals is a guy by the name of Glenn Lowry. He teaches economics at Brown. He uh, received his PhD from MIT. He was also a professor at Harvard. And when he was at Harvard, uh, back in the day, he was an up and coming rising uh, scholar, professor, publishing, influential guy. So he was the professor at Harvard by day. And at night, he was combing the streets of Boston and the rough part of town, looking for another fix of cocaine. Glenn, in spite of his intellect, in spite of his influence as a scholar and a teacher, was addicted to cocaine and he could not get set free. He said, Finally, I came to the end of myself. I went to a meeting, I made that first step and said, hey, I, my life's out of control and I want to believe in God. I guess someone invited him to a church. He said, I, I, I made Jesus Christ a Lord and savior of my life. He was baptized in the water. He came out a lot, back out and he said, I haven't touched the stuff since 1997. So there are a lot of people here today and those watching who would say, yeah, that's me. I have an overcoming testimony. I have experiential evidence of God in Christ and him changing my life and setting me free from an addiction. So, if someone is challenging you or someone's challenging me, let's just say, let's just squeeze all this information down to an elevator answer, okay? An elevator pitch, right? What would I say? Well, you say you're a Christian, you believe in God and Christ, and you sing all these songs, that's wonderful. Is there any evidence for that? In a sound bite I would say, listen, there's a treasure trove of historical and experiential evidence that supports the veracity of the Christian faith. And if you're interested, I'll be glad to talk with you or recommend some books or some podcasts that you can watch or listen to that will be helpful to you. So what's interesting in this conversation between these two friends, Adam Curry and Joe Rogan, is Adam, especially for a brand new believer, does a great job of responding to the questions and challenges that Joe gives him about his new faith and relationship with God in Christ. He does, he does, he does a great job in, in responding. And he responds, as this passage says, with gentleness and and respect to his friend. Now, I think it's important that we, that we understand this, that we don't leave this uh, seminar today thinking that Christianity is some type of, how would I say it, intellectual, cognitive assent to a bunch of propositions. There is a God, he sent his son, he died on the cross, he rose again, Check the box, check the box. I believe those things. I, I consent to those things. Um, it's not about that. There is data. There is knowledge. There is historical knowledge. And we do have great intellectual foundations for our faith. I mean, the Christian faith has been attacked, deconstructed, criticized for 2,000 years. So we've had men and women defending the faith for, for millennia. But but it's more than intellectual or theological or philosophical defense. It's it's about the living Christ living his life through us, right? So so the first thing in our passage today was revere Christ as Lord. Make him Lord of your life. There needs to be personal evidence in, in, in your life and my life that we are a follower of God in Christ. And that's one of the reasons I I like Kierkegaard so much is that Kierkegaard really talked about the whole idea that if you really do believe in God in Christ, if you're really following him, then there's going to be evidence of that in your life. You're going to love your neighbor. You're going to love your enemies. You're going to be willing to lay down your life. There's going to be the fruit of the spirit coming out of your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, etc. So... There's a big difference between believing that God exists, believing that Christ is real, and believing in in him as your Savior, as your Lord, as the the leader of your life. So I think it's important in in any conversation or message like this one that we talk about that and not... uh, lead us to believe that it's some type of a head trip. Uh, it's not that at all, it's much more than that. It's a heart to heart relationship with God in Christ that affects everything. So the good news is that God is real, <laughs> Jesus Christ existed, and he really can change your outlook on life and you, like Adam discovered, can really win with God. All you have to do, all you have to do is be honest with God. Ask him, humble yourself before him, and he will meet you right where you are. And that's good news. Thank you for listening to the Sunday Sermon Podcast from the Woodway campus of Second Baptist Church in Houston, Texas. For more information about the church, please visit us at second.org. That's second.org.